Good evening, everyone. Thank you for coming. We'll continue reading from Srila Jiva Goswami's Bhagavat Sandarbha. Uh, we're up to Anacheta 76. Uh, Anacheta 75 that we just finished up began a discussion by Jiva Goswami regarding the nature of the Lord's transcendental associates. The last Anacheta it's been established that the Vaikuntha region is part of the Lord's essential nature, part of his Swarup Shakti, his internal potency. So too are his associates in that realm. So this Anacheta this evening um, begins with a Praman verse, an evidentiary verse from the Bhagavatam, uh, from the sixth canto. Sukadev Goswami saying there, They saw him with eyes resembling a pair of full-blown autumn lotuses, surrounded by his sixteen associates, who appeared exactly like him, only without the mark of Srivatsa and the Kastuba gem. The phrase, by his sixteen, means that the Lord's sixteen associates means by the Lord's sixteen associates, like Sunanda. So here we can see that this is talking about the associates from the Vaikuntha realm, because we recognize that in the the, uh, Raj realm, in Galoka Vrindavan, there's some variety. Now there's also variety in the Vaikuntha planets, but one of the varieties of forms that one can take in the Vaikuntha realm is a form exactly like the Lord's. So you can actually look like God, if you so desire. Uh, Those associates... They have four arms, just like God. And uh, that's what Sukadev Goswami is talking about here. Um, The Lord was apparent. I'm not certain of the the Leela that's being described from the... uh, Bhagavatam's ninth chapter. So look it up. But uh, apparently, which canto? Sixth. Um, apparently, some had a someone had a vision of the Lord, and he was surrounded by his associates. And what the verse is saying is those associates looked just like the Lord, so they had forms just like the Lord. And we recognize that that's one of the types of, of, of liberation. To have the same opulence as the Lord, to live on the same planet, and to have the same form as the Lord. Uh, uh, Swarupya. So these associates had the same form as the Lord. And the only distinguishing characteristic 
has brought out by Sukadev in this verse is the fact that he can tell which one was the Lord and which ones weren't the Lord by the mark of Srivatsa on the chest of the Lord, right-hand side of the Lord. There's a little tuft of hair that represents Lakshmi. And the Kastuba Joe around the Lord's neck, which represents all living entities. So these are two distinguishing characteristics. So there's a similar description of confusion on the part of a devotee when it comes to, is this, is this, is this one God? Or is this, you know, so this happened by Gopakumar. He's waiting. He made it to Vaikuntha. Well, he made it to the gates of Vaikuntha. And uh, the, uh, the attendants of the gate uh, wanted to announce him, to tell the Lord who was come to visit him. So, who are you? Well, I'm Gopa Kumar. <laughs> uh, I've come here to see the Supreme Lord. But are you the Lord? I mean, he was confused by the gatekeepers themselves. Their forms were so much like the Lord's. He thought, wow, maybe, maybe they're God. And then, while, while he's waiting, the gatekeepers went to announce him. Gopakumar seeing people coming and going into, into the Vaikuntha world. So he's, he's like right on the outskirts. And he's seeing comings and goings, and he's some of he, the first ones he's seeing. He's like bowing down. Oh, there's God! Mm-hmm. Oh, there's God! He's bowing down. Oh, no, I'm not God. And he saw some of those residents of the Vaikuntha realm. They would they would come up to the to the to enter into the gates, and amazing things would happen. They would change their form. So they had been out, you know, in the material realm, it says, regarding some of them, they'd been out doing some service for the day, and they were coming home in the evening, and or coming back midday. Who knows what their schedule was? But anyway, <laughs> Gopa Kumara was there when they were coming back. <laughs> and, and... They would come and they, you know they they change their form and then they'd go in, or they their whole clothing would change before they'd enter, <clears throat> or some of them, their whole family would expand from their form and the family would all in, enter. So they, you know, when they went to the material realm, they took their whole family with them, with them in a very very intimate way these things sound all amazing it's like you know who could make this up but the fact of the matter is this is the transcendental realm this is not the material realm and uh, you know the main ingredient is the Lord's internal potency which is what Jiva's bringing out in these particular verses because he's trying to explain what's God like What's the associates of the Lord like? What's his loco? What's his place like? It's all of his own nature. It's just like him is what's coming out here. It's just like 
his very being. And they are part of his very being. So, it goes on to explain here in the previous section, and when we talk about a section, remember in the Sandarbhas, a section is called an Anucheta. And an Anucheta is a section where Jiva has, is given some, some truth for us to pick up on, some, some part of the reality of the spiritual nature of God. So it's just a little section and he's, here he's used this verse as, as the praman, as the evidence for the fact that the Lord's associates can look and have a form just like the Lord. But don't be confused. Know the distinguishing characteristic. If who you see has a kastuba jewel and the tuft of hair, no, that's, that's Krishna himself. Well, that's Vishnu. It's a Krishna, Krishna manifesting as Vishnu. So in the previous section, Sri Jiva Goswami explained that the associates of the Lord are transcendental like him. Now he explains that some of the Lord's intimate associates have the same bodily features as the Lord, which is the liberated condition known as Swarupya Mukti. This increases the beauty of the Lord For when people have someone imitating their, you know, like their beauty. <laughs> huh? Yeah. And also the Lord himself explains the nature of his associates having his nature. How close do they have his nature? Well, again, a, a, a verse given in evidence to show the point. This is Krishna himself speaking. He says, since he is master of his senses, he's talking about one of his devotees, and never affected by material nature or its gunas, Sri Uddhava is in no measure less than I. Let him therefore remain in the world to spread transcendental knowledge about me. It was a nice accolade. Uddhava, you're the same as me. There's no difference. You can do my work here. You have all my potencies. You're not affected by the gunas. You're fully transcendental. And is like, wait a minute here. See, he's tricking me into staying and he's leaving. This is, you know, but that's really what was going on. Because Uddhava was requested by Krishna, I didn't get around to one very close, people dear to my heart, I didn't get around to seeing them during my advent this time. I need you to do that on my behalf and they will they will garner the same benefit from seeing and hearing you as they would from seeing and hearing me 
You are the same as I am. You are fully transcendental. You're part of my internal nature. And Uddhava's like, wait a minute here. All the Yadavas of going back, all of your, your associates from everybody's leaving, you're leaving, and what do I have to do now? Well, you have to go up to the Himalayas and you have to see the, uh, the what was it, the sages at uh, Bhadarak Ashram. It was like, I don't want to do that. Yes, you do. What can you, who can deny what Krishna wants? So, that's the context of the verse. So, the next Anacheda is going to bring out the fact that because the Lord's associates are just like him, um, their association is the supreme goal. Anacheda 77. A devotee's highest aspiration to be in the company of the Lord's associates. Jiva Goswami continues in his discourse, Therefore the associates of the Lord are not influenced by time, so to achieve the liberated condition of eternal existence in their company, Samipya, so this is another one of the liberations, Swarupya, having the Lord's same form, Samipya is to have his personal association. Salokya is to reside on the same planet as he. Sayuja, well, let's put that one aside. That's really a liberation that devotees are interested in because to enter into the Lord, to enter into his form, well, means you can't see him. You're, you know... You're merged with him. So there is also that liberation. And I'm Samipya, Sayuja, Salokya, Sarupya. Isn't there five kinds of liberation? And what am I missing? Oh, great scholars. Can you name them again? I'm trying to remember how. Sarupya, uh-huh. Salokya, uh-huh. form, planet, form, Sarupya. Yeah. I say that one already? Yes. Samipya, yeah. same opulence as the Lord. Sayuja. Yeah. Sarsti, which is to have the same energies of the Lord, to have all of his potencies. Sarsti. So these are the five kinds of liberation that are aspired to by the majority of Krishna bhaktas or Vishnu bhaktas or what we would refer to as Vaishnavs. The majority of Vaishnavs do not aspire for entering the Lord's Leela in Goloka. This is a special dispensation of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's advent. Golo care prema donna. This is this is what Lord Chaitanya came to give. This highest relationship with the Supreme Lord. Uh, otherwise, most 
most Vaishnavas aspire for liberation and they want to enter into the Vaikuntha realm and they aspire generally for one of these five things at least or all of them. So existence in their company, company of the Lord, Samipya, is the highest possible good, Purushartha, to be aspired for by conscious beings and and in particular for the topmost devotees. Prahlad Maharaj prayed for this to Lord Nisringa. So his evidence for this aspiration, this Anucheta, to be the Lord's associates, uh, is from the seventh canto, a prayer by Prahlad Maharaj. Therefore, now that I am in knowledge, I do not yearn for boons desired by conditioned beings, such as long life, opulence, worldly glory, or sense pleasures, up to including those enjoyed by Brahma. All these are destroyed by you in the form of powerful time. Just grant me the association of your servants. So this is from the prayers of Pallad Maharaj, who was kind of pushed forward to pacify Lord Nisringadev after Lord Nisringadev appeared. The other demigods offered prayers from a distance, and still the Lord, in his form of half-man, half-lion, seemed seemed to be still disturbed, a little bit of anger left. So Brahma said, Plod, why don't you (laughs) go up and offer some prayers? Uh, He's definitely favorably disposed towards you. His whole appearance is because of you. To protect you, he's appeared in this form. So please, you can go and offer some prayers. And Plod obliged and the main thrust of the prayers and why they're so much appreciated by the Vaishnavas, in particular the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, is because the prayers center around selfless service. Generally, when someone has the blessing of, of being in the Lord's association, the Lord, uh, it's like, wow, thank you for being my devotee. He wants to give someone a boon. And here's this young boy who said, don't try it with me. I will not, I do not want any boon. But if you have to give me a boon, because you're God and you always want to give something to your devotee, if you have to give me a boon, then you give me this. You give me that I will never forget you and that I can always remain in the association of your devotees. That's that's enough for me. It was enough for Prahlad. wasn't enough for Lord Nisringadev. Lord Nisringadev said, yeah, but I also want you to, to enjoy the material world for what would have been the reign of your father. So he gave Prahlad the throne of his father and all material opulent opulences and said and you also and you enjoy this always performing devotional service and never forgetting me so uh, jiva ends up here the meaning is clear 
the meaning of what Pallad said is, can't, we can't read anything else into it. He wants to be with devotees. And this he'll consider the highest thing. From the 11th canto, we have ever other evidences to support this. One who has surrendered himself to me, this is Krishna himself speaking, uh, this is the Uddhava Gita section of the 11th canto. So we have the Bhagavad Gita spoken to Arjuna, and then in the Bhagavatam we have another Bhagavad Gita. It's the Uddhava Gita. And it's it's spoken with discussion between um, Lord Krishna and Uddhava at the end of Krishna's manifest Leela, when he was personally here. Same subject matter, but presented differently according to the mentality of, of the audience. The Bhagavad Gita was spoken in a, in a rather hectic environment on the back of a chariot surrounded by a million of men who wanted to kill each other. A rather passionate, uh, passionate environment to, to deliver a discourse and Arjuna's just, you know, completely bewildered and dumbfounded and and at a loss to what to do in life. And uh, Uddhava's position at this time was a little different. So Krishna says to Uddhava, one who has surrendered himself to me does not desire anything other than me, not the position of Sri Brahma or the kingdom of Indra. Mastery over the earth or sovereignty over the nether worlds. He seeks not the paranormal powers of yoga, nor even liberation from birth and death. It's a similar verse from, to what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says in his exhausticum. Nadanam najanam nasundarim kavitramva jagadisha kamaye. Mama janmani janmani sware bhavatat bhaktir haitiki twai. have no desire for any of the Purusharthas, any of the uh, any of the things of the world. Uh, I only want your causeless devotional service. Birth after birth means birth after birth. I don't care about liberation. This means that the Lord's associates are supremely transcendental. Otherwise, why would such exclusive devotees have any desire to associate with them? The exclusive devotees being talked about, of course, in this context are Pallad Maharaj and Uddhava. These are exemplars of pure unalloyed devotional service. From the Bhagavatam. Um, one should not think that Pallad desired to be relieved from material suffering. And you would think, after what he'd been through, that wouldn't be an outlandish desire on his part. I mean, his father put him through hell, but he had he would have nothing to do with a desire to be relieved from that condition. He didn't even call for Lord Nishringadev to protect him during all his ordeals. So his father had such a 
such a hate for him because he he kept bringing up this Vishnu. Yeah, siding with the enemy is exactly what the Bhagavatam says. So he threw him off the mountains. He threw him in a pit of snakes. He threw him in boiling oil. He he put him, uh, you know, under the feet of the elephants. To name a few, these, you know, trying to kill him. But invisibly, the Lord was protecting him in all these instances. But he wasn't, Prahlad was not crying out, Oh Lord, protect me. He was just fully conscious of the Lord and the Lord couldn't take his consciousness away from him because he was purely situated. He only appeared when Prahlad asked him. Well, he didn't really ask him to appear then. His father said, Where's your God? Well, he's everywhere. He's everywhere. Why can't I see him? I don't know. I can see him. It's basically what Pallad said. I have no trouble. Well, where? Where do you see him? Everywhere. Well, you just see him in the pillar here? Yes. This pillar? Yes. And, you know, Shringa said, well, okay. And then he heard some sound that brought the fear of death into his heart. So Pallad says, O oh my Lord, I am your desireless devotee and you are my eternal master. Neither of us have any spect expectation of each other. Unlike the relationship between a king and his servant, in other words, we simply have a loving relationship with each other. We don't have any expectations. I don't love you because you're God. You don't love me because I'm your devotee. We just love each other. We Neither of us have expectations of the other. If you wish to give me a boon, O Lord, best of those who offer blessings, then I ask only for this from you that no desires may ever arise in my heart. That's his request. If you want to give me anything, give me the boon that no desire will ever come. There'll never be a time when I ask you of any, ask anything of you. It's pretty far out, if you really think about it, because per large level of transcendental, transcendental knowledge, he knows everything's coming from God. So he's saying, please make sure that I never ask you for anything. That would be the boon that I would like. Association with Bhagavan's eternal associates as Parama Purushartha, the highest possible goal that can be aspired for by conscious beings. This is what's to be taken from this Praman verse. This is the only thing that Prahlad asked for. He asked for things that, he asked negatively, I don't want anything. I don't want to ask for anything. But in the Praman verse, the evidential verse, he says, but I do want to associate with your devotees. So Jeeva's saying, 
this is evidence that this is the Param Purushartha, the highest aspiration of anything one could aspire to or for. Next Anocheta, Jeeva is going to show that the nature of Bhagavan's abode and his associates um, is both are transcendental. Again, remember as we go through, uh, this is a very long Anucheta, so it has various parts. Uh, so we'll read part of what Jiva presents and then have some little commentary and then go forward from that. Um, because what what's being presented here is an explanation both from the Bhagavatam and the Rig Veda regarding uh, so the residents of Vaikuntha are transcendental to the material world. So Jiva starts Uttarakhanda of Padma Parama Purana similarly states so this is one of those instances where Srimad Bhagavatam, which is the main praman for Jiva Goswami, uh, isn't used as the primary evidence at the beginning of this Anucheda. Rather, the Padma Purana is used. There are limited worlds and beings in the Tripad Vibhuti. Tripad Vibhuti. Or the transcendental abode characterized by threefold dimensionality of being, worlds and beings. In other words, you're never going to be able to come to an end of where does Vaikuntha begin and where does it end. Yeah, I thought you said limited. I was like, that doesn't sound right. I probably did say limited then. But anyway. Yeah. Unlimited. Being the insightful student that she is. So what's that mean, Tripad Vibhuti? Threefold dimensionality. What are the three folds? So we hear this a lot, tripod and echopod. Three, three fourths and one Some people say that, but really what it means is eternity, immortal, no death, fearlessness, no death, no fear. No death, no fear adds up to what? All auspiciousness. Everything's auspicious. Everything's coming up roses. If you have, no, if you there's no possibility of dying. Depends where you are. And <laughs> naturally, there's no fear of death. So therefore, what comes out in the Padma Purana is Tri Padvibhuti refers to these three characteristics. Immortal, fearless, and all auspicious. All of them are of the nature of unalloyed beings, Sudhasattva, and are known as Brahmananda Sukha, the joy and bliss of Brahman. The all that's being spoken of here are the three characteristics of the tree. They're also personal. Understand everything in the transcendental realm has personality. Here we have personality in the jiva ourselves, 
and all the other jivas around us, they all have a little personality. Even the ant's got a, you know, he's got his boulder on his shoulder, so to speak. So everything here has, the jivas all have personality, but there's also matter. And the matter has no personality. So what does the ekapan have? Misery? <laughs> Death. All of them are the nature of unalloyed being, Sudasattva, all known as Brahmananda Sukha, the joy and bliss of Brahman. They are all eternal, immutable, and devoid of the lower gunas. They are golden, pure, and brilliant as a million suns. They are all full of Vedic knowledge, divine and free from the defects of lust and greed. They relish only the nectar of unalloyed devotional service, to Sri Narayan's lotus feet. They are always filled with the bliss of the sweet chanting of the Samaveda and are effulgent with the Vedic knowledge. They are the personification of the fivefold worship of the Lord. Jiva goes on. Here, Tripad Vibhuti, he's explaining the verse himself from the Padma Purana in his Anucheda. Here, Tripad Vibhuti indicates the world beyond matter, since Pada Vibhuti means the material world. This is stated in the same Purana. Now he quotes again from the Padma Purana, another verse. Threefold dimensionality of being, Tripad, immortality, fearlessness, and all auspiciousness, all auspicious worship of the divine, is inherent in the Lord's own abode. Whereas one-fold dimensionality, pada, mortal existence only, devoid of awareness and bliss of the real, is inherent here in this world. In other words, our pod is we're going to die. So, huh? <laughs> so the pada is you're going to die. In the material world, that's really where it all ends. It all comes to a conclusion there. The dimensional, the dimension of threefold being, Tripad Vibhuti, is eternal, but the dimension of onefold being, Pada Vibhuti, is ephemeral. The eternal, auspicious form of the Lord exists in the transcendental abode. That form is infallible, eternal, divine, and the reservoir of every newly manifested youth. In this form, he forever enjoys his potencies, Sri, Bhu, and Ishvara. Ashveri, Ishvari. Jiva goes on, therefore we will discuss the narrative found in the Srimad, in the second canto, in the light of these ideas. So he's given an evidence from the Padma Purana, and now he's going to say, now let's look at a section of the Srimad Bhagavatam in light of what the Padma Purana is telling us about the transcendental realm, being Tripad Vibhuti and the material world being Pada Vibhuti. This is from the second canto. 
He is Lord of the immortal and of fearlessness and is beyond mortality and food. It will become clear. O Brahmana, this glory of the Supreme Person is therefore difficult to comprehend. So Jiva goes on in his comment, his Anucheda. In this verse, the two terms, the immortal, Amrita, and fearlessness, Abhaya, are also indicated indicative of third term, item. In other words, in the verse from the Bhagavatam, it wasn't mentioned in the verse itself anything except immortal, Amrita, and fearless, Abhaya. But just by those two terms together in the verse, you can infer the third term, which is auspiciousness cited in the previous verse that follows as will be discussed in the Shruti mantra also it is said he is the master of immortality amritatva so immortality is there indicative of the other two items again What's Jiva up to? He's schooling us in, well, if you see these characteristics, especially any two of them in one place, you can, you can understand it's talking about the Vaikuntha realm or the Lord's internal potency, his Rup Shakti. So if you see fearlessness and immortality, then you can assume all auspiciousness. They go together like the three musketeers or like, uh, you know. The six goes one. The distinction between the two statements is that in the above verse, Amrita denotes the entity or the place to whom the attribute of immortality belongs, while the Shruti statement, Amritatva, signifies just the attribute itself. Nevertheless, it should also be taken to indicate, by extension of meaning, the entity to whom such an attribute Belongs. Jiva's going to go down this road, and what he's going to come up to in his explanation is when you look to the eternal residence, you can look to the residence or to the residence. You can look to where the Lord resides or who resides with the Lord. Both of those are of his internal spiritual nature. Both the abode and the personalities that he associates with. Both of of them are this same quality of Tripod Vibhuti, as explained in the Padma Purana verses. 
Keshma is explained in Bhagavatam 2.9.10. There is no maya, the Keshma, that's all auspiciousness. There is no maya in that world. According to this statement, Keshma, or welfare, should be understood as Vaikuntha, inherent, Vaikuntha's inherent quality of being the repository of all auspiciousness. Present unconditionality or as all-consuming devotion and love for the all-encompassing Supreme Person, Sri Bhagavan. In that abode, such auspicious devotion is the natural state of being. Since there is no contact with the material gunas, that divine attention and awareness away from the simple and obvious moment-to-moment -moment recognition of God. That is also stated in Narda Purana. Finish up with this. Jiva Goswami continues. By an inappropriate stretch of imagination, one might indirectly interpret the above words as referring to jhana loka or other similar material realms because they're pretty advanced places to live but they're in the material world but you know they're full of the residents there seem from our perspective to be immortal they last for the duration of the universe so they seem to be immortal. And they certainly have no fear because they're in full knowledge, right? And everything's auspicious in those higher, those very high material planets within the universal shell. Jiva says, don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for it when people extol those planets as supreme abodes. Don't fall for that line of reasoning, is what Jeeva is saying. Referring to jhana loka or other similar material realms in the upper stratum of the universe. So there's four realms up there, right? Mahaloka, Tapaloka, Jhana Loka, and then Brahma has his own residence at the top of the universe, Satya Loka. And the people that reside there are the topmost transcendentalists within the material realm. Brahmacharis, sannyasis, they're generally characterized like that in the Shastra. Um, and they're characterized as being free of all material desire. That's what those terminologies are referring to. Although common man, they, they look at the whole system of spiritual upliftment as given in the scriptures and they take into consideration primarily the Varna and Ashram system. So therefore they use those nomenclatures of the the Naistiki Brahmachari and the Sannyasi and the Vanaprastha 
they attribute those three personalities to the three upper realms, Mahaloka, Tapaloka, and Janaloka. So you'll see verses like that even in the Bhagavatam. This realm is attained by this particular ashram. To refute this philosophy, Sri Shuka says, that abode is beyond mortality and food. Marcham anamyat atyagat. The word marcha means mortality. As the Lord himself explains, even Brahma, who has a lifespan lasting a div parada, amounting to trillions of years, fears me. A material body requires sustenance. That's why the reference is there to ana, food. You have to have some. Without it, there is no material existence. The body will not function without fuel. So that's why that's, that terminology is used to distinguish residents of the material world from residents of the transcendental realm. So I'll stop there. We'll go into the commentary and continue. This annotate is 78, which, as I said, is quite extensive. Uh, but we've got some through some of the first of it. So no matter, even from, as Krishna explains in the Bhagavad Gita, from the highest planet, that is Brahma's planet, to the lowest planet, Patala Loka, all are places of misery where repeated birth and death take place. So every material realm has death. Brahma lives a long, long time. The demigods live for one kalpa, one day of Brahma. Um, and just as a quick general looking at the universal construction, you have the earth. There's 14 divisions of planetary systems which are basically, they, they, they work under the influence of the modes of material nature. So you have the earth is right in the middle. We're full of passion here. Passion. And what do we have to show for it? We have an ocean of sweat. So we have salt water as an ocean. Now, there are other planets in the material universe with oceans of milk, oceans of nectar, oceans of uh, uh, liquor. What did you say? Liquor. I thought at first, though. <laughs> so, you have 14 divisions of planets which are basically ruled by the modes, primarily goodness, passion, and ignorance. From the lowest planet seven planets below the earth, which is in the middle, seven planets above the earth. 
the higher planetary systems are primarily inhabited, the highest ones, by the demigods, the people that 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 basically administer to the uh, to the affairs of, of a universe. And then you have those planets. There's four planets above those 14 divisions of planetary systems. Those four planets are for people who are, have dedicated their lifetimes within the, within the lower 14 planetary divisions to spiritual upliftment. And so the residents of those planets are the highest transcendentalists. And they reside on those higher planets for the duration of the universe in most cases. And they gradually uplift their consciousness even more and take up residence on Brahma's planet. And then when the universe is done, Brahma gets a promotion to Vaikuntha. And they do too. So, Mahaloka, Tapaloka, Janaloka, and Satyaloka are four higher planetary systems which are above the division of 14 planetary systems. So, any questions? Thank you so much for your association.